This week, uh, this sermon is all around the theme of passion. Have you heard that term before, the passion of the Christ? Can I just see a show of hands? Let's see what I'm working with. You've heard that term, the passion? Perfect. So, so it, this week that we're in right now, that we're sort of commemorating, that we're commemorating, that we're remembering, is the week of the passion. It's the week from uh, the triumphal entry, which, which we would remember happening tomorrow, the Sunday before Easter, the triumphal entry where Jesus entered into Jerusalem to sort of go through his final, uh, you know, major thing, that his death and his resurrection. It's the week from the entry to his resurrection. That's called the Passion Week of Christ. The Passion Week of Christ. And so that's what this message is all about, is the passion of Jesus uh, following up the preparation, the purpose, and now into his passion. So I want to read in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 13, and then we're going to jump ahead um, to that, that very passage that's talking about his entry into the city. But this is a good um, precursor to this. About halfway through the Gospel of Matthew, we find this account where Jesus is with his disciples on the outskirts of the nation of Israel. And much has been done at this point. Many miracles have been accomplished. Many healings have taken place. Many messages have been preached. And we find ourselves in Matthew 16 for the first time, Jesus asking his disciples about his identity. Much has been done, but he hasn't yet addressed his identity, and this is what he says. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do all the people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say that you're John the Baptist, others say that you're Elijah, and others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. All of those are kind of kooky answers, just to be honest with you. But that's what they said. And he said, but who do you say that I am? Ignoring their previous answers as if he didn't really care what they thought other people thought, turning to really what they thought about him. And that's really the question that he asks you and I. And he's asking that question not only on Easter Sunday, but he's asking it right now. He doesn't really care what you think your religious grandma thinks of him. He doesn't really care what the person next to you thinks of him. He's asking you tonight, who do you say that I am? It's the most important question ever asked, and it's the most important question that you can answer. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Was he just a man? Was he a good teacher? Or was he the son of God? And so he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you that on this rock, that is the declaration of his identity, not the person of Peter, but the declaration of Jesus' identity. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And so he strictly charged them not to tell anyone that he was, in the, he was the Christ, because it wasn't his time to die yet, but, listen to this, from that very moment on, he began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. Suffer. He begins to declare 
that he needs to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the priests and the scribes, and that he needs to be killed and on the third day raised. And Peter, the passionate one that he was, pulled him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, for you're lining up with Satan right now, and you're being a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but you're setting your mind on the things of men. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but you're setting your mind on the things of men. Let's pray real quick, and then let's um, just dissect this Passion Week. Lord, we thank you that you're here right now. I thank you so much that I don't have to be concerned with my ability, my preparation, my skill, my linguistics, but that you are such an amazing God that you choose to speak through men and women and that you choose to speak through the power of your spirit. And so we invite you, all of us right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would speak to us your word through your spirit for the transformation of our heart and our life, this city and this world. Would you lead this time and accomplish your will? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, you know, passion is a funny thing. We get uh, really passionate about things in this life. There are people... You notice that there are people that are really, really, really passionate for certain things. And then there are people that are really, really, really passionate against certain things. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes they go hand in hand and sometimes they don't. But, they, but they, we, we say this. Like, I'm, just, I'm really passionate about health. I'm really passionate about makeup. I'm really passionate about unicorns. If you're seven, you like unicorns. I'm, really, I'm just passionate about basketball. Basket, you know, Jordan and I probably wore basketball is life t-shirts when we were growing up. and That was a trend. And there are so many things that we get passionate about. We get excited about. Like, and that's my thing. You know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm all about. That's what I'm... That's what I was made for in this life. And we're passionate about those things. And then there's other people that are passionately against something. You know, there, there are people that are passionately against guns. And then there are people that are passionately against those who are against guns. You know what I'm saying? And there, are just, there are people that are passionately against vaccines. and passion, there, People are just passionate about some stuff. Some people are passionate against things. And then there's this, like, third breed. I don't know if you've noticed this third breed yet, but... It's like, it's like these people that are like anti-passion. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they're like, yeah, I don't care. You're really, really good at, you're really, really good at music. So, whatever. You got an A on your test. Sweet. You got an F on your test. Cool. You know, have you noticed this? Like, there's people that, like, they're almost passionate about not caring. <laughs> they used to be called hipsters. I don't know what they're called now. It's just like these people that, you know what it's really called? It's called apathy. Yes. I wonder what are the things that you're passionate about? What are the things that you're passionate against? And what are the ways that you really just don't care? 
I think about that a lot for me. Am I passionate about the right things? Am I not passionate about the wrong things? And so this is our thought going into this week, uh, speaking on the passion of Christ. We thought, let's talk about the preparation week one. What's all the things that Jesus went through to be prepared for his ministry? And how can we relate with that? Because we, we all go through preparation. How can we relate with it? And then, and then week two, let's talk about what Jesus did. Like, what were the things that he did and didn't do? And do we do the things that he didn't do? And then week three, we had this crazy thought. What are the things that Jesus loved? And what are the things that Jesus hated? And do we love and hate the same things? That's it, an interesting thought. You know, the other week I said, I said, hey, it's really good that we believe in Jesus, but I wonder sometimes, do we not only believe in him, but do we believe what he believed? And so I want to pose that question to you tonight. Yes, you, you believe in him. I hope that you believe in him. But, but are you passionate and in love with the things that he was passionate and in love with? And do you have a disdain, a, a distaste for, I don't know if we can use the word hatred. I, I don't know, I haven't really thought all that through. But like, do you dislike and or hate the things that God dislikes and or hates? Like, have you thought about that? If he's, if he's really passionate about something or not passionate about something, do you feel the same way? And so let's, let's look at this week of his life. It's called the Passion Week of Christ. If you would turn just a few pages over to, to Matthew uh, chapter 21, this is the, marks the beginning of this week that we call the Passion Week of Jesus. I'm going to start in Matthew 21, starting in verse 6. Uh, he apparently had accomplished everything that he needed to do on this earth, and so he, he set his sights on Jerusalem in order to accomplish what he needed to accomplish for eternity. And so he, he begins to enter the city, um, and, and, and leading up to this, like we read in Matthew 16, he asked them, what should I do? And Peter passionately said, you'll never do that, Jesus. You'll never do that. He's passionate. You know Peter. He's really excited about what he believes. And he, he says, that, that will never happen to you. You're not going to go to Jerusalem and be killed. And he was passionate about that. And Jesus said, look, I am passionate about going to Jerusalem and suffering and dying. Why? Because he was really excited about it? Because that's what he, like, his flesh really longed to go through? Like, I just really enjoy suffering? I just really enjoy pain? No. It's because he was purposeful. He was intentional. He was drawn. He was motivated. He was passionate to accomplish what he knew that he needed to accomplish. And Peter's passion, trying to get him to stop what he knew he needed to do, was a hindrance to Jesus. So he said, you need to stop right now, Peter. You're passionate, but your passion is misplaced. You need to line up your passion with what I know that I need to do. And so he sets his sights on Jerusalem, and he heads from the outskirts of Israel all the way towards the city. And this is when he enters the city, Matthew 21, starting in verse 6. It says this, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and they put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. And the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Uh, and the crowds went before him, and they were following him, and they were shouting, Hosanna! 
Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is a passionate cry. This is a passionate praise. This is a passionate behavior from a crowd of people saying that that the son of David has come to our city. Listen, when he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And so as he enters the city, he is received with praise. As he enters the city, he is recognized as a prophet. Let's just turn a few pages to Matthew 27. He entered the city with praise. He entered the city recognized as a prophet. Matthew 27, starting in verse 24. He entered the city on Sunday. He entered the city on Sunday with people praising him recognizing him for who he was as a prophet, a man of God. And not more than a week later, they turn him to a prisoner. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to yourselves, And the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. And he released to them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him over to be crucified. If you don't know the context of the situation, what's taking place is from Sunday to Friday, Jesus enters the city with praises, recognized as a prophet, but by Friday, he had been turned over and accused as being a prisoner. And so Pilate, they bring him before the authorities, they grab him, they capture him, they put him in chains, they bring him before Pilate, and Pilate says, hey, there's a murderer that is set to be put to death, and there's this man, Jesus. I'm gonna give you one of the two of them back today, You tell me which one. And here we see the conclusion of that question. And they said, give us Barabbas, give us the murderer, give us the prisoner, because we want Jesus put to death. On Sunday, he entered the city recognized as a prophet, but on Friday, they recognized him as a prisoner. You see, Jesus was in the business of trading places. This is what he did for us. He traded the authority, the glory, the praise, the position, everything that he had as the son of God, who he was. He traded it for the place of the prisoner. And you might be wondering, you know, who's Barabbas? Well, I'll tell you, it's me and you. You and I are Barabbas. You and I are the prisoner that deserved the death. And Jesus took our place. He entered the city recognized by the crowds as a prophet. And he left to his death as a prisoner. This is the Passion Week. This is the the Passion Week of Christ, Sunday to Sunday. And so I got to thinking, what happened between Matthew 21 and Matthew 27? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? What was he talking about? When we're thinking about this subject, 
passion, the passion of the Christ. I began reading, I read those, those chapters. Between this moment that he entered Jerusalem with authority and praise, between that moment and the moment that they, that they arrested him and, and sent him on to his death, what happened during this Passion Week of Jesus? And you know, we really don't have time to read all of it, Sometimes I wish that, that, that we did. I wish that I could just, you know, sit down and we could just more kind of do a small group and just say, hey, let's just, let's just actually read through like five chapters together and let's, let's just talk about this. And it's not really the, the setting and I, you know, only have about seven minutes and 17 seconds left and so I probably won't do that, but I, yeah, I did start late. I'll, you know what? I'll do my best. Just try and follow along with me. And just look at the subtitles. It's fine. You know, in your Bible in front of you. Matthew 21, he enters Jerusalem with praises recognized as a prophet. And immediately, your, your Bible might say Jesus cleanses the temple. Immediately, he goes into the temple. He flips over the tables. And what he's, what he's doing in passion is saying that you guys are not truly passionate about what my father has planned for his house. You're passionate about your own benefit. They were conducting personal business in the house of God. Personal business for personal gain. So he flips over the tables and he, he's trying to correct, correct what they're pursuing in this life in that regard. He goes on to, to talk about, um, oh man, so many things. That the children were praising him and that the people didn't recognize him. The leaders didn't recognize him for who he was. And they were getting mad at Jesus because people were calling him the son of David. People were praising him. People were, were recognizing him for, for the, uh, the son that he was. And he corrected them because their passion wasn't in the right place. Jesus curses a fig tree. It's kind of negative, to be honest with you. But Jesus is expressing that, that God is passionate about bearing fruit. He goes on to say that, that Jesus' authority was challenged. And people weren't really concerned with what the real answer is in, when they were questioning him. They were concerned with testing him and trying to, to get him to stumble into a, a mistaken answer, and he was calling out in them their, their misplaced motivation. It goes on to say, he tells a parable about two sons, and, and how one said, yeah, Father, I'll obey you, and then he didn't do it, and one said, no, Father, I'll disobey you, and then he didn't do it, and he's trying to correct this, uh, this obedience factor in humanity, and you could just go on and on and on, and then if you get into... Chapter 23, it's what's called the, the seven woes. It's, it's pretty brutal, actually. He's just sort of rebuking people. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Woe to you, verse 13. Woe to you, verse 15. Woe to you, verse 16. Woe to you, verse 23, 25, 27, and 29. If you read... What Jesus' teaching is saying between the chapters 21 and 26, if I could boil it down, he's saying the things that you guys are really passionate about, the things that you pursue, the things that you value are not good. And the things that you seem to not value, the things that you have a lack of passion for you need to get passionate about. And he says, there's many, many things that you're apathetic about. 
The things of God, it seems like you don't care about, and you need to start caring about those things. It's really not a lot of encouraging scripture, to be honest with you. It's really some challenging scripture, and I struggled with this message, going into this message, because um, I grew up with this, this image of God that he was just like this angry God that just wanted to like fire and brimstone all the dirty sinners of the world. You know, there's this famous message from years ago, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And I think for the longest time that we sort of got in that routine of uh, maybe the church culture, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was this sort of fire and brimstone message of all these things that God was against. And so we recognized that there was something wrong with that, and we started, we started preaching the love of God and the grace of God and, and all the things that he's for, which I completely agree with, because our God is primarily a God of what he is for, not what he's against. It's what he's for that leads to what he's against. But there's, there's times that we got to just be honest, and what is God against? What does God love and what does God hate? And do I love and hate the same things? Am I passionate about the things that God is passionate about? Am I apathetic about the things that he wants me to be excited about? Do I really care in my guts about the things that he cares about? There's this word, compassion. I think for me, I, I, I firmly believe that it, it was the compassion of Jesus that drove him to do the things that he did. It's a, it's a really crazy Greek word that is hard to pronounce, but it's a, it has a funny definition. It means guts, bowels. As I started studying it, because it says Jesus entered the city and he had compassion on them, so he healed their sick. Twelve times this word shows up in the New Testament, and every single time it has to do with Jesus. It's this, it's this thing, you know that feeling in your guts, when it's not just sort of sadness or like, oh, I kind of feel for you, but there's, there's something deep down inside of you that's, that's gut-wrenching, that's just, it's so moving you, like there's something going on inside of you that just makes you have to move and do something. You know, that feeling inside that's just twisting you up inside that you look at a situation and you say, I can't not do anything because I'm broken, I'm torn up inside. And you become passionate about a movement or passionate about a cause or passionate about justice or passionate about healing that person that's broken or speaking love or whatever it is because you're moved from the deepest part of your bowels. This is what moved God. And sometimes I have to stop and say, am I really truly moved by the things that God is moved by? I get passionate about so many things. I care and I give so much time, so much energy and money towards all of these pursuits. And passion is this thing that we, we pursue in life and it's, it's a good thing. It's like, 
You're passionate about that. Awesome. Use it for the Lord. You're passionate about music. Use your music to glorify God. You're passionate. And passion can be a good thing. But in my scripture, I looked it up. And the word passion occurs 27 times in the New Testament. And every single one of them was negative. Every single one. 27 rebukes from the writers of scripture saying that you were led by the passions of your flesh to pursue selfish things. And that's a whole nother study. But what I want to say is this. We have to be careful that our passions aren't put towards the wrong things. And what I find most interesting about this word is that our definition of passion is something that we, we pursue and we love and it draws us and we long for it and, and we're just, uh, we're, we're passionate about it. But that's not Jesus' definition of the word passion at all. In fact, if you've ever wondered why it's called the Passion of the Christ, why it's called Passion Week, there's one definition from the word passion that that term comes from, and it has nothing to do with what you love or what you, you know, you're excited about. That word comes from the, from the Latin word meaning suffering. This week that we're about to enter gets its, its entire name, the Passion Week of Christ, is not about what is exciting to him. It's not about what he, you know, what he really loves. The Passion Week of Christ literally means the suffering week of Christ. That's what the word passion means. And in the same way that the prophet came to trade places with the prisoner, I think that Jesus came to trade his passion for ours. He came and said, I might not be just, uh, just filled with glee and excitement to suffer for you. No, Peter, I really don't want to. And we'd see this later, that even Jesus himself, just so anxious about what he was going to do, fall, fell on his knees in the garden. And he was so anxious and nervous that he was sweating blood. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, there's any other way that this can happen please let there be another way nevertheless not my will but yours be done he was willing to undergo the passion that was given to him the suffering that was allotted to him to cover all of the misplaced passion that you and I have walked in all of the times that we've followed the passions of our flesh and we've pursued the things that we shouldn't pursue and we've gotten excited about the things that we really shouldn't be excited about or we've neglected the things that we should really be excited about. We've neglected the things of God. We've neglected or we've just been apathetic, straight up apathetic about the things of God. The passion of the Christ is his suffering for us. But he was passionate to make it to Jerusalem to accomplish that suffering because he knew that through his suffering, through his death, and through his resurrection, that he wouldn't only accomplish something that you and I could believe in intellectually, just some, some vague memory from 2,000 years past. No, it's so much more than that.
that through his spirit, there could be true, deep, lasting, and genuine transformation. So I want to close with this thought tonight. Do you love the things of God? Are you moved by the things of God? I'm, my guess is that many of you believe in Jesus. You've surrendered your life to Jesus. You've trusted him for your eternal salvation. What I want to ask you tonight is, for this life, before eternity starts, are you moved with passion and compassion for the things that Jesus was moved by? And have you allowed your spirit to be broken over the things that he was broken over? Have you allowed yourself to, to, to gain a distaste for the things that he had a distaste of? Have you allowed you to, yourself to get to a place where you're not just saying, I'm not going to do that because God commanded me, but you're saying, oh, I, I very much dislike, I hate that thing if it's against God. Not just because God hates it, but you actually inside because the Spirit, have got, Spirit of God has so changed you that you, you genuinely distaste the things that are against what His kingdom stands for. Is that where your heart is tonight? I know that almost every week we invite people to, if they've never surrendered their life to Jesus for salvation, that we invite them to do that. I just want to invite all of you tonight to surrender all that you are. The preparation you might be going through, the the, the things that you're doing or not doing, your purpose in this life. And to surrender to the Lord your mind, your heart, and your spirit. That the Holy Spirit would have freedom inside of you to transform you in a way that only He can. This world is not going to be changed Merely when you and I change our behavior. It's going to be changed when we allow the Holy Spirit to change our spirit and our heart. And the behavior flows from that place. 